incredible. We get to come before God uh, unashamed, and it's because of the person of Jesus Christ. That's who we worship at Coastal. Amen. So, man, what a great God we have. Do me a favor. Turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to jump right in this morning. Uh, Galatians chapter 6 inside of your bulletin is a handout. You can pull that out. You can follow along with me there. Take some notes as God speaks to you. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in, in a chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, take that one with you, okay? If you're kind of new to your Bible and learning your way around, uh, do me a favor and find it anyway. That's one of the reasons I do this each week. Hey, turn in your Bible. I really want you to familiarize yourself with God's Word and how to find things. And so Galatians is towards the backside, okay? The back right. And uh, it's a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church in a community. The church was in a community called Galatia, okay? So to put that in modern language, okay, if Paul was, the Apostle Paul was writing us a letter, uh, he would call us probably the church of Yorktown. And I'd be saying, turn to Yorktown, chapter two, okay? So uh, that's how that works. So Galatians chapter six is going to be our jumping off spot. And we're going to spend some time there this morning. Um, this is the third installment of my series called Shocked, and this series was kind of birthed out of this idea that as I run around, especially with Christians, people who say, yes, I'm followers of Christ, I'm often shocked by the things that shock us. And I often think we shouldn't be shocked by that because God's Word addresses that and lets us know uh, these things really shouldn't shock us. And so I don't want you to be undermined maybe by some thinking patterns or worldviews that you have that aren't biblical. And so I'm challenging some of that. And so this morning, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 is, is the verse that we're going to park in. The, the story is told uh, of a young boy who, in his backyard, he, he had a favorite tree uh, that he loved to climb in. And he would often spend hours in this tree. It just was perfect for climbing, where he could sit and he could daydream and pretend it was a fort and have all kinds of you know, make-believe things. How many of y'all have a child that's a climber, right? They love to climb trees. Every household has one, right? And so this kid, he loved that tree. One day, his dad came home and said to his mom as he looked out back, he said, you know, that fruit tree in the backyard has yet to produce any fruit. I, I think I'm going to cut it down. If it doesn't produce fruit, I'm going to cut it down, and I'm going to plant a new fruit tree there. Well, the little boy, this was his favorite tree. He didn't know it was a fruit tree. And so uh, that night when his parents went to bed, he got a bag of apples and he snuck out and with carefully with string, he tied those apples all over that tree so that it was bearing fruit. The next morning, the father got up and the son got up and they were eating breakfast. And the father looks out, of course, he sees the apples on the tree and he says, wow, a miracle. And the son says, I know, it's a miracle. That tree bore fruit overnight. To which the father replied, no, it's not a miracle that it bore fruit overnight. The miracle is, is that that pear tree produced apples. <laughs> you know, there's a spiritual principle there, and, and it's really what we're going to unpack this morning. That that principle is, is really what is in your heart is the kind of fruit that you will bear in your life. Uh, the, the issue this morning, and, and one of the dangers of the sermon that I'm going to preach this morning is, the danger is you could walk out of here and say, Pastor Sean is encouraging us to change our behavior, to, to be better, to be good. And the danger of that is not understanding at the core of what I'm saying this morning is, is what is in your heart really is the fruit that you will bear. 
Your behavior is an outgrowth of what really is inside of you. And there's a spiritual principle. So here, let me, let me drill down to the core of what I'm shocked by, okay? I am shocked when people are shocked by the consequences of their sin. That shocks me. Well, Pastor John, I lived this kind of life. I did this. These were the outflows of my heart. This was my behavior. And then it bore consequences. It bore fruit. There are consequences to my sin. And so I want to get to the heart of the thing this morning. And the heart is what's going on inside of your heart. As I was preparing this sermon uh, and spending a, a good portion of the day just concentrating and thinking about this verse in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, the word awesome kept coming to my mind. Like, wow, a humbleness to this verse. I want you to see this. Ready? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. By the way, before we look at this verse, let me, let me back up and give you a little context. The book of Galatians, the apostle Paul is livid at the beginning of the book. In fact, some of the harshest words he ever writes is at the beginning of the book. And he's livid because people are adding to the simplicity of the gospel. That to be right with God is not a behavior modification thing, but to be right with God is a repentance of the heart and a transformation. A, a, a transition in the heart done by the work of the Holy Spirit by grace alone through faith alone. And what's happening is he's been teaching the good news of, of Jesus Christ that you can be right with God because of faith in Christ alone. And there's people that are adding to this saying, yes, you got to believe in Jesus, but then you have to do. And they start adding on to things that you need to do. And this makes Paul livid. And so in this context, he's, he's protecting the gospel of Christ. But then he reminds us of the condition here in, in, at the end of the letter of the importance of checking your heart and making sure your heart is gripped by the gospel of Christ. And in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, he says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And man, as I meditated on this over and over, I began to have a little introspection into my own heart. And I began to ask myself, am I mocking God with what's going on inside of my heart, what I'm setting the affections of my heart upon? He said, a man will reap what he sows. In other words, what's going on in your heart will bear fruit. Make no mistake about it. And that fruit will reveal what is really inside of your heart. And so the first thing I want you to see this morning is nothing is unseen by God. God is not mocked. You're not playing games with God. You know, on weekend services, people come in here, man, we worship, and I love, man, I love what the, church, I love to hear you sing praises to the Lord. It is, it, it gives me chills, literally, but, but let me tell you something, we can all look pretty on the weekend services, but God knows what's going on. There's nothing unseen by God. And, and Paul says, don't be deceived. The word deceived literally means don't be led astray in your heart. Don't be led astray. Some of you in this room, you're being led astray by your thinking. You've adopted what I would call a worldly worldview. Your worldview is not being adjusted by the word and the truths of God. That's why I always say, get your Bible out. Turn in your Bible. We have to know God's word because God's word is the grid with which we must sift every worldview that comes into our thinking. Some of you are being influenced in your thinking. Some of you are being influenced in your thinking by your friends. You're choosing friends that are not passionate about the things of God, and those friends are beginning to influence your thinking. 
Maybe you, maybe you started out on the Christian race, you're following hard after Christ, but, but man, you started surrounding yourselves with these friends that don't buy into this, the worldview of Jesus, the truths of God, and it's beginning to influence your thinking. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the 1 Corinthians 15, by the way, uh, the Apostle Paul is saying, if there's no resurrection, you might as well live however you want. If Jesus didn't come raised from the, if there's, a, if there's a tombstone with Jesus' name on, if there's a grave with a body in it, this whole thing called Christianity is done, done for. You might as well not even be here this morning. And so he says, if there's no resurrection, we might as well eat and drink and you know, do whatever we want for tomorrow we die. But then he says, but don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Some of you are running with friends that are corrupting your thinking. And Paul says, you got to be careful about your mind and your worldview and the way you think because you can be led astray. Don't be deceived. Some of you in this room are being led astray by the media. Man, we're bombarded by media, right? We're, in fact, one of the things we're getting here at Coastal, you know, is, hey, Pastor John, we really, during the service, we'd really like to be connected to the internet, right? Right here in this room. And, and we're, we're talking about how to do that. But, but the fact is, we, man, we're connected to the media. It's always on, right? And some of you, you're being influenced. The music that you're allowing to go into your ears and influence your mind is going to deceive you and lead you astray. The movies, the books you're reading, the internet sites, and you have to be careful. And by the way, don't let anyone deceive you and tell you, well, the media doesn't really influence my thinking. Hogwash, okay? Sure it does. That's an old saying my parents used to say. That just came out, you know? That's, when I was in trouble, that's hogwash, son. I don't, what is hogwash? I guess it's the bathwater of a hog. I don't know. But anyway... Um, <laughs> There are media outlets that are spending billions to influence your thinking and your behavior. Yes? Don't tell advertising agencies that media do not influence your thinking. And many of you are allowing this junk in. You have no grid to sift it through, no truth grid, and you're just buying into whatever the singer's saying, whatever the movie's telling you, whatever the, you know, the newscaster's telling you, whatever. Be cautious. Don't be led astray. Don't be deceived. Some of you in this room... You're being led astray by your pride. You come in here week in and week out, and you hear the truths of God, but you've been doing it your way for so long that just your pride, oh, I can't change now. I'm 40, 50, however many years into this. You know, I'm not going to change now because that would be admitting that my previous 40, 50, 60 years have been wrong. That is pride. And if the Spirit of God is working on your heart and challenging you to adjust your thinking and your worldview to know the God of the Bible, man, that's a great thing. And don't let your pride stand in the way because the Bible says don't be deceived. If you choose to live wrong, if your heart is engaged with the wrong thing, God is not mocked, which is the next point. God's not mocked. You're, you're not playing games with God in your heart. The word, the word mocked literally means to be sneered at. You, you cannot sneer at the God of the universe and his principles. His principles are as real, as immutable, as unchangeable, as unmoving, as true as the law of gravity. These spiritual principles are 100% true, and God will not be sneered at, and God will not be mocked. His spiritual tr principles are true for all people of all generations of all time. They will always be true. 
And how blessed you are to be in a place this morning to consider and hear the truths of God. And if you choose not to adjust and bow a knee to the Savior that God has given us, God will not be mocked. He will not be deceived. Some of you have an ongoing sin in your life that goes on and on and on. And to this point, it hasn't borne any consequences. And you somehow believe you're getting away with it. God is not mocked. There will be justice for that sin. And you will either bear the justice yourself or you will bow a knee to Christ and know that the justice of that sin was paid for on the cross. That's the message of the gospel. It's the message of the Bible. It's the story of God. You can ignore the principles of God, but God will not be mocked. By the way, can I take a little side note? Can I talk to us as a culture for a minute, right? How dare us, as a culture, rack up 14 trillion in debt and think that Proverbs 22, the debtor will be the servant of the lender, doesn't apply to us? How dare us? God will not be mocked. How dare us, as a culture, buy into the 60s sexual revolution and think that the principles that God has determined for sex and sexuality and what is sin and what is not sin doesn't apply to us, that we can just be in our enlightened state and say, oh, homosexuality is okay and fornication is okay and sex before marriage is okay and pornography is okay and think that it will bear no consequences. God will not be mocked. How dare us think that we can run around as a culture and slaughter millions of unborn babies and think that there will be no consequences to that. God is not mocked. How silly of us to depend on our military as if that will be the strength that will protect us. God will not be mocked to our immorality as a nation. How dare us think that we can be hoard our money and not be generous with our money and God not see that and there not be consequences to our lack of generosity. God will not be mocked. You know, it's political season. I want to challenge you as followers of Christ. When you go into a voting booth, these kind of things ought to be considered about the person that we're going to put in charge. Where do they come down on these very important moral issues? Because God will not be mocked on his standards. And I'm always shocked people are shocked by the outcome of their sin. I'm shocked when a country is shocked by the outcome of its sin. And God's word is clear here in your heart and in your life. You are sowing seed. You're investing your life in one of two places. You're investing or you're sowing your life somewhere. Now, uh, Paul here writes that whatever a man sows, that's what he will reap. Now, this is a this is a farming term, and so just so we're clear on what Paul's talking about, in Bible times, a farmer, when he had a field in front of him, he would, he'd have a bag of seed, and he would sow seed. He'd just scatter it, right? And then if he was sowing wheat seed, what would grow in several months? What would grow? You guys are smart, right? If he was sowing <laughs> corn, right, what would grow in several months? Corn, right? Whatever you sow, that's what you will reap. And so Paul here in Galatians is teaching that as a human being, your life is, you're sowing or you're investing or you're exchanging your days for something and you're sowing to one of two places. You are either sowing to the flesh 
Now, the flesh is the Bible. The, the word flesh in, in, in the Bible is used in several ways, but one of the ways in which it is used is to, to describe our sin nature. That, that thing inside, that, that part inside of us, it makes it all about us. Your flesh is selfish. Your flesh makes your life all about you. Your flesh makes sure that your time and your talents and your money are used strictly to serve you. And the flesh tends to focus on really two things. Number one, it tends to focus on pleasure. It tends to focus on pleasure, making sure that you're comfortable, making sure that you're taking it easy, making sure that you get to do things your way, making sure that you get to go through life as safe, soft, easy, and possible. That's what the flesh tends to focus on. If you're a person that's living and sowing to the flesh, let me, t- let me sh- share a couple things for you. Okay, you will not be quick to, to seek forgiveness because it's about you. You're not a person that will tend to be generous because it doesn't make any sense to give it away, does it, if it's all about you? You're not a person that will filter your words. You'll, you'll say whatever's on your mind, no matter how hurtful, because you just want to get your point across. You're a person that will not seek justice. You're not a person that will stay committed to your vows because you made the vow, but now you're not happy. So you're a person that won't stay committed. You're a person that will not learn to love the unlovely. You're not a person that will do with less so that others can have more. Your flesh seeks to serve you. The second thing, not only will it seek its pleasure, but the flesh will seek worldliness. In other words, the flesh focuses on things that don't last. The flesh will desire, you know, bigger, better, faster, shinier, newer, right? That's what the flesh focuses on. And I've just got to have that. If only this. And, and you focus on the things of the world as if the things of the world will bring you pleasure. First John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, listen to this, you do not have the love of what? The Father. You don't have the love of the Father in you. The world only offers only the cravings of physical pleasure, the craving for everything we see, the pride in our achievement and our possessions. They are not from the Father, but from the world. And this world is what? What's happening to the world? Fading away, right? Remember last week? Okay, we've been kind of unpacking this through the shock series. You know, I talked to you about, you know, our lives, mortality, right? Your life's not going to last forever. We talked about the difficulties of the world. Last year, we, we kind of zoomed out and looked at the big story of God and the tree of life about, yes, all the difficulties and brokenness of this life will eventually end, and only that stuff that is born of the Spirit of God, we're going to get to in a minute, is the stuff that will taste of the tree of life. And so if you focus on this world, everything you're focusing on will eventually be gone and pass away. Your house will break down, your car will break down, your boat, your vacation home, your 401k, blah, 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 blah right? Doesn't last. That's probably the smartest thing I've said in a month right there. So this world is fading away along with, el- with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Church, you're sowing to one of two places. You are either sowing to the flesh. And this is what Paul says in Galatians chapter six, verse eight. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest what? What's it say? Harvest what? Decay and death. 
from that sinful nature. You're sowing, you're investing, you're placing your life somewhere. And if you're investing in the things of the flesh, church, it won't last. You're investing in things that don't last very long. A generation at the most. And then he says in 6, 8, he says, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. You're sowing one or two places. You're sowing to the flesh, or you are sowing to the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is this theme woven throughout the Bible. The Spirit of God is what brings life. The Spirit of God is what brings truth. The Spirit of God is what grants eternal life. That is why Jesus says such strange things in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, Jesus says the weirdest thing. In fact, he, he, the person he's talking to is an is a, a, is a educated scholar in the Old Testament. And when Jesus says these things, they don't even get it. John chapter 3 verse 5 says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of the water and born of the what? The spirit. What's he talking about? There's a spiritual thing going on inside of your heart. And you can sow to the flesh or you can sow to the things of the spirit. Humans can only reproduce human life, but the what? Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So now here's, now in the 70s, this next verse is, is the one that made all Christians look weird, okay? But there's truth here. You, oh, so don't be surprised when I say, Jesus said, you must be what? What's it? Born again. Church, it is only the Spirit of God that gives eternal life. In fact, in our, in our planning meetings, in our staff meetings, and, and, you know, up and down these office halls during the week when we talk about the work of God and we talk about our role in it, we talk about, hey, it's our job to present the truth, that we're singing the truth, that we, we orchestrate a corporate worship service that uplifts the word of God and the truths of God. But it is not our job to change a heart. I can't do that for you. That is the work of God alone through his Holy Spirit. God takes the word of God and the truths of God and the stories of God. And he couples it with the power of God, which is the Holy Spirit of God. And he works on a heart. And some of you in this room, man, you have been pushing off the work and the spirit of God. Please, I implore you, don't do that any longer. Because it is only the spirit of God that gives life. And when you walk out of here and you ignore the promptings and the workings of the Spirit coupled by the truth of God, you're ignoring the very things that are eternal. And you're choosing to continue to sow a life to things that lead to death and decay. Ezekiel chapter 36 in the Old, by the way, it's in the New Testament thing. It's an Old Testament thing too. It says, Ezekiel said this, and the Lord speaking through Ezekiel in 36, he says, and I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you'll no longer worship idols. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you, and I'll take out your old, stony, stubborn heart. I will give you a tender and responsive heart, and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. I will tell you something. My emotion is this because I remember when my heart didn't care about the things of God. And I remember when the spirit began to work, man, and he plucked out that part of me that was only concerned about me and only serving the flesh. And if you're here this morning and God's working on your heart, I plead with you to let him do his work. Because there's a spiritual, supernatural thing going on here this morning. And when you come in here and you get re-energized about the truth of God, maybe you're here and you're a follower of Christ and you get re-energized by the truth of God. That is the work of the spirit of God. And that's an awesome thing. 
And your life is being sown in one of two places. You're either sowing to the flesh or you're sowing to the spirit. And the change that the Bible talks about is not behavior modification. It's a worship of the heart. And when you worship Jesus Christ, and I always say this, the message of the gospel is when you worship Jesus Christ, you bow a knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus, by his grace and mercy, gives a deposit of the third person of the Trinity in your heart, the Holy Spirit. And suddenly what's going on in your life is no longer a fleshly thing. It's a spirit thing. It's an eternal life thing. It's a powerful thing. It's a God thing. And here's the, here's the good news for you this morning. This is, why, this is why we open the doors of this building. It's why we put a lot of resources into this thing called church. It's, it's why we gather corporate. It's why we preach the word. Here's why. Because we believe that God is still in the business of changing hearts. And by the way, the, the, there, there's no formula to this. It may be a prayer here at the end of the service. It may be in, a, in this church. It may be in a jail cell. It may be in a hospital bed. It may be through a drama. It may be through the words and coffee with a friend. It may be through a song. If you're here this morning and you're tangled up in a sin and it's sucking all the life and hope and joy out of you, I got really good news from you. God wants to pull that fleshly, sinful nature out of you and give you a new heart by the Spirit of God to give you life. There's still hope for you. If you're here this morning and you have a friend or a loved one who's really far from God, let me encourage you, don't quit praying because the God of the universe is not done changing hearts. His spirit is alive and at work all over the world right now, any moment. Parents, if, you, if you're here this morning and you've got a, a, an adult child that's no longer working with God, but you planted the words of God in their heart and you're wondering why they're not following after you, i got good news for you. The spirit of God is not done at working. Keep praying, keep hoping, keep, keep lifting that child before the throne of God because you never know when the Spirit of God is going to do His work and do spiritual things that are eternal things. And if you're here with parents and you have young children, let me encourage you, it's, a, it's, imp, it's imperative. And listen, I'll, I'm with you. My kids do all the hobbies, you know, and, and sometimes I feel, me and my wife feel like we're a taxi service, right? And it's very easy to go, hey, you know what? The, you know, the church youth group or the children's ministry or worship and corporate leadership, that suddenly becomes not unimportant. I want to challenge you. There's nothing more important than making sure that they have the word of God implanted in their hearts because the word of God is what the spirit of God uses to give eternal life. And parents, you have this high and responsibility to make sure that you're implanting the truth of God into the hearts of your children and praying for the Spirit of God to do the supernatural work that your children may be born again. And so it is in this context of you are sowing your life in one of two places. You're sowing to the Spirit or you're sowing to the flesh. One gives death and decay and the other gives eternal life, well, spiritual life. It is in this context, I want you to flip back just one chapter to Galatians chapter 5 where the Apostle Paul does some teaching on the Holy Spirit. And he says to you, I say, he says, so I say, chapter 5, verse 16. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting with each other, so... Uh, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are no longer under the obligation of Moses. By the way, let me say this. We read verses like this and we say, see, the Old Testament is bad and the New Testament is good. No, what he's saying is that, that um, if, all, if you think that being good 
following the law of Moses is what makes God happy. You misunderstand the message of the gospel. The law is very good. It's exactly who God's character is. The point is, life is an inside-out thing. That's why we just sang, God changed me from the inside out. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2 said, work out your salvation. Not work on your salvation, but work out your salvation. It's something that's welling up from the inside out. So the law of Moses can never be kept on your own power because you have a sin nature. And so Paul here is saying, you're never going to keep the Old Testament based on your own strength. Verse 19, and when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are what? What's it say? Very clear. Your behavior is a great reflection of what kind of fruit tree you are. A pear tree is not going to bear apples. So the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Some of you, your sexual behavior and your sexual addiction is an indication that your heart has not been born again. Well, Pastor John, I prayed that prayer. I know it. I did it with you one week. When you follow the desires of your own sinful nature, if you're so, in other words, you're sowing to the flesh, the results are very clear. Verse 20, idolatry. Sorcery, hostility. That's, that's what you're worshiping. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Some of you in this room, that describes your marriage relationship. Your marriage needs to be born again by the Spirit of God. When you follow the sinful nature, the results are very clear. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, and divisions. Can I be honest? That sounds like some churches I know. There's some churches that need to be born again of the Spirit of God. When you follow sinful nature, the results are very clear. Envy and drunkenness and wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why is that? Because this is the sinful nature which leads to death and decay. And where God is taking us is eternal life. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. You ready? Love. Let me tell you something. I know some of you in this room, I know your story. You've been married to a spouse that has been selfish for decades and you continue to die to yourself and love them, that is the work of the Spirit of God. And when you tell me your story, I'm wowed by the eternal things in your heart. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, joy. Some of you in this room, man, your circumstances are overwhelming. When I was preaching about difficulties last week, you were like, man, that's my entire life. Yet in the midst of that, you have this incredible joy. And when you tell me your story, I go, wow. That's the work of the Spirit of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, peace and patience. Some of you in this room, man, I, you're going through some things, and in the midst of that, you have like this peace, like a, like a calm lakefront. 
And I'm like, how do you have that? And you're like, well, God just gives me this peace that passes understanding. You want to know what that is? That's the work of the Spirit of God. But the work of the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness. There's several of these. As I read them, I'm like, God, I, there's areas of my life, man. I need the process of sanctification, whole nother thing, but gets there the same way. You repent and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ, right? I need, I need to be born again in that area of my life. By the way, there's some teaching out there that talks about when you get the Holy Spirit, you fall down and you lose control and all this stuff, right? And you say things or whatever. Let me tell you something. That's not what I read here. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, self-control. In fact, some of you in this room, every time the temptation of a particular sin comes your way, you keep telling me, I just can't help it. Hogwash. If, if you've been born again, you've got the Holy Spirit, which produces self-control. And Paul goes on to say, you can't, you can't legislate this kind of stuff. There's no law against this. In other words, the law, even though you know it, in and of yourself, you'll never be able to do it unless you have been born again. And those who belong to Jesus Christ, listen to this, they have nailed their passions and their desires and their sinful natures to the cross, and they have crucified them there. Church, you're sowing your life in one of two places. You're sowing to the flesh, or you're sowing to the Spirit. And the Spirit is a deposit of the third person trinity is given to those who, by grace through faith, have bowed a knee to Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, it's better that I go away. Why is that? I mean, what if Jesus was just right here, right now? Well, he'd be located here right now, and he wouldn't be located in all the other places all over the community, right? All the other churches that are worshiping God right now this morning. He, he said, it's better if I go away. Why? Because if I go away, I'm going to send the Spirit, and the Spirit is always at work. And the Spirit is producing eternal life. And I want to encourage you with this this morning. If the Holy Spirit is working on your heart, and there's some things going on, and you're, you're beginning to probe, and you're beginning to question, man, and I wonder, wonder what's going on in here. Have I really been born again? That's a good thing. And I'm not going to let you off the hook so easily this morning. Because it's only eternal things that will live for eternity. It's only the work of the Spirit. In fact, Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There should be a humble introspection from time to time where we look at our heart and say, does God's spirit really have my heart and life? Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, Paul says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps whatever he sows. My prayer is that we are a church that sows to the spirit of God and produces life. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I know I've heavied this morning. I want to leave it there. Because this verse heavied on me as I meditated on it for days and wondered, God, is there areas of my life where I'm mocking you? I'm making a mockery of your word and of your truth, thinking that I'm somehow getting away with it. God, if there's areas of my life, even as a pastor, God, I want to bow a knee to the lordship of Christ. And I want to be born again. I want to live to the things of the Spirit. Believing that the Spirit gives life and truth and hope and joy, peace.
God, the message this morning is not behavior modification. It is a bowed knee. It's a heart transplant, a worship of Jesus Christ. Believing that when we worship you, Jesus, you give us your spirit, which gives life. God, as we inspect a little bit the fruit of our lives, we can begin to ask the question, man, which one of the fruits am I bearing? Because that's a real good reflection of what's going on in my heart. And God, for the one that's here this morning that you've been working on, they haven't yet bowed a knee to you, but they've been hearing your truth. God, I pray that today would be the day that they no longer kick the spirit of God off their heart, but rather bow a knee in humble submission to Jesus Christ. Because God, you are not mocked. A man will reap what he sows. God, we want to be a church that's led by your spirit. Not in any kind of out-of-control behavior, God. We want, we want to be a church that produces the fruits of the Spirit. of Love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. These things can't be legislated, God. There's no rules. This is the work of your Spirit. And God, we want to be a Spirit-led church for the glory and fame of Jesus Christ. Jesus, it's in your name I pray. Amen. Church, this is our offering time, and that's one of the ways we worship God at Coastal, by giving back. If you're a guest with us, we really don't want you to feel any obligation to give. We couldn't be more thrilled that you're here. We'd love to have one thing from you. Um, inside of your bulletin is that tear-off. If you would just fill that out, we want to send you a thank you card for coming. If you're here this morning and the Spirit of God's been working on you, you'd like a little bit more information, like how do I bow a knee to the to the Lordship of Christ, uh, you'd like to talk to me or one of the pastors at Coastal Man, we would love to follow up with you this week, okay? That's probably the most important conversation you'll ever have. So uh, use that Connect card as an opportunity to say, hey, Pastor Sean, I'd like to follow up with someone about how to connect with God and bow a knee to the gospel of Christ. Joey.